BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to the BDNG. We are here in Harrogate. Uh, my name is Ashton Cleary and I am a clinical nurse specialist in dermatology. And alongside me today is my co-host, Emmanuel Tony. Do you want to say hello, Manny? Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and uh, we are joined by Sylvia Walsh-Sanchez, Daniel Ward and Lucy Eden. And they are involved with the youth panel at the eczema outreach support charity. So first of all, we have Lucy Eden with us. Um, and would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved? Okay, hi everybody. As you said, I'm Lucy. I'm very lucky to thus far, I've been diagnosed with three types of eczema. Um, so my childhood was very much um, defined by atopic eczema. And then my high school journey was severe contact dermatitis. And my recent university journey has been severe seborrheic dermatitis on my scalp, which then resulted in scalp folliculitis. Okay, three. That That is lucky, but... Three out of seven. So I'm going for the full seven. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Let's keep it there. I think you've got enough. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your work with the, the expert outreach support and what it means to you and kind of how you got involved and also what, what you're kind of hoping to change, if anything, by being involved. So I joined the charity in October of 2020 as a sessional worker which means that I give school workshops to primary school children. And it works in two ways. So it'll always be involved with a child that has eczema and the parents will be involved in the charity and they'll reach out to us. And the child can either be directly involved in the session where I will say, like, this is Lucy, she has eczema, or it can be done anonymously. And the purpose of the session is to make it really clear to the other kids in the class, like, X was not contagious, you can hold their hand, like, treat them as you would treat everybody else. And as well, a lot of the teachers, they learn a lot, and they, they come up to me afterwards, and they're like, oh, we didn't realise that if a child's got severe eczema and they're sitting on an itchy carpet, that might not be great for them, things like that. So I started there, and in my job interview for that um the person interviewing me reached out and said, well, I'm actually in the process of setting up a youth panel. You know, you're 19, you would fit in well there. So by the time February rolled around, I got involved in that. And since then, I have been involved in everything that the youth panel has done as well. I created a project where I worked on how to improve the relationship between the board of trustees for the charity and the youth panel which I then presented to the board meeting where the CEO was present I also was involved in the CEO interviews for the charity so that was pretty cool I'm here today and we were also at the BAD conference a few months ago and what is it you do at the BAD conference what did you present on um so we presented on the importance of listening to young people with eczema and how we are more than eczema and we're also more than what the textbook tells us that we are and the importance of listening to us because I think everyone on the panel has struggled with not having our voices heard or being put in a box and saying well that's eczema you know it'll get better it's fine and things that haven't been diagnosed like my scalp folliculitis which took nine months because I visited the GP four times and he was just like it's just eczema like use your steroid creams go away 
And when I eventually paid, I had to pay £200 to see a private dermatologist, she told me that it was the worst case that she'd ever seen and that the steroids, which the GPs were so adamant were going to help, were actively making it worse. Um, so I had to be on antibiotics for over three months. My hair was falling out and the GPs were just like, it's eczema. We can see it's eczema, just go away. So the really what we wanted to convey was that's not okay. I deserve to have treatment and I deserve to be listened to and not just dismissed as saying, well, it can be a little bit sore, but it'll be all right eventually. Yeah, I think there's definitely more training for uh, GPs with specialist interest in dermatology, but you're right. Having more knowledge out there for GPs in general, it would be the ideal situation because a lot of things can be managed in the community and GP if you know if the training is there and provided um but that's amazing that you you actually went and spoke at the BAD what a fantastic experience and I'm sure it was really well received I feel like a celebrity here today everyone's recognizing us like oh you're at the conference and I'm like yeah (laughs) I think yeah it's really important centralizing you know your voice as well because I think in in medicine full stop sometimes people do forget that you know, ultimately, we're here for for patients, for for, and we're all patients at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. I'm a psoriasis patient, you know, uh, but it, it does take a lot of bravery to you know stand on a BOD. That's something I've not got the courage to do quite yet. So well done. Is there anything else you would like to kind of say? So we this podcast is aimed at dermatology nurses. Is there any, you know, feedback or anything else you'd like to add that you think we could learn from as a profession from your experience? I think the most important thing is remembering how important these appointments can be to young people. When I was struggling with contact dermatitis, I had a really terrible experience. I expected to be on a waiting list. That itself was fine. But when I saw the dermatologist after two and a half years of waiting and four years of being in a lot of pain, um, she gave me a patch test. And when she read the results, she said, well, you've got a sulfite allergy. Here's a piece of paper that she's printed off the internet. But all the ink was smudged. And then she asked me if I wanted to be discharged and then discharged me. And I'd waited so long to get there. I still have loads of questions. I don't really understand what she said. And this was over four years ago now. And she might have just been having a bad day. But I think the most important thing to remember is even if you are having a bad day and you see loads of patients in a day, and everything's going horribly. I remember that dermatologist from four years ago. She caused me a lot of trauma on top of what I was already experiencing. So even if you can't provide a solution, we're not expecting to receive like some miracle cure. We just want to feel like we're being heard and that the wait was worth it. Whereas me now, I can't get back onto the dermatology system. I had to go private. And I feel like I still have issues that I would want to get checked, but I'm not going to get checked because it's not worth fighting to get back into the system. It doesn't feel like treatment anymore. It just feels like a constant battle to try and get there. So for people that have got in the system, it's the product of a really long struggle. And just to make it feel like you're being heard and that we're getting the treatment that we need is probably the most important thing. Even as we know, you can't heal us completely. It was really powerful. Thank you very much for for sharing that. Well, there's lots for us to learn from that. I think one of the things, not just kind of how you were treated, but the fact that you've even highlighted that the, you know, the ink on the page was smudged. Mm -hmm. 
I think we kind of underestimate how important everything is. Like when we give patient information sheets, we've all been there in an NHS clinic where the printer's and doesn't work. But actually, if you're going to be giving someone information sheet, you know, make sure it's eligible and looks nice and presentable. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all worked in clinics where there's an information sheet that has been scanned time and time and time yeah. again. And you're just kind of giving it to people and it's so faded and, and silly looking. But I think that's something that I'm definitely going, going to take away. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you would like to add? Well, I, I just wanted to go back to your, to your first point. So when you were younger, were you involved with any of the clubs that the eczema outreach support had or how did you say you actually heard about it first you did you did a session first and then the youth group was established yeah so until I joined this youth panel I had only met one other person with eczema and I only came across it the charity itself because I was looking into going into charity work so I was looking on this like charity job website yeah and I thought well I might as well apply (laughs) and I ended up getting the job and as you can see, I'm now heavily, heavily involved in the working of the charity. They can't get rid of me. <laughs> but it's great, though, because all the extra skills that you're getting, so like public speaking, organizational skills, you know, when you're networking, like all of these, besides your own journey, you know, career development wise, that's pretty awesome. I mean, the opportunities have been brilliant. And as having a support group of people I can complain at once a month <laughs> as well of things that have gone wrong has been valuable. <laughs> so thank you so much Lucy what we'll do now is um we'll speak to some of the other members in the youth panel really appreciate your time and um we look forward to seeing some other great things from you in the future thank you (laughs) cheers okay welcome uh we have Daniel Ward with us here on the podcast um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Exxon Outreach Uh, yeah so when I was um maybe 15 um, my eczema was really bad and um, my mum got in touch with the charity. Uh, it sort of got to the stage where we were struggling with the GP uh, who just kept on suggesting we use different creams or gels or whatever it would have been. Um, and we got in touch with EOS and they they came out to the house and they sat and they spoke to us and they said, right, what we want you to do next time you go to the GP is we want you to say, they give us a big list of things to say. And like they, they told us to suggest going to the hospital or going to dermatology and... Uh, their suggestion was UVB light therapy treatment. We done that next time we went to the GP, and sure enough, the GP referred us. He referred us to a dermatology nurse because of the waiting time for a dermatology doctor. And when we went to dermatology, they um, we went on like Thursday, and they had us booked in for our first uh, light therapy sort of session on the Monday. Uh, they thought they felt it was serious enough to sort of book me in straight away, uh, which was really good. They were really helpful, um, and from there they suggested to us uh, a couple of things. Almost the day, in fact, the same day that they came out to the house, they put me forward to do uh, an interview with uh, BBC and try and do the rickshaw challenge. BBC won. I didn't get selected, but they 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 came out to the house and they interviewed us and. It was it was really interesting to do that, and from there I sort of got more involved with the charity. They suggested the XY Club, which is a group for eleven to eighteen year olds. I was involved with that for uh, up until I was eighteen, and then from there they had the idea to create the youth panel, and I played a part in organising it and getting it set up and sort of what we wanted to do and 
how we wanted to help other people. So it was brilliant to get involved with that as well. And what is the work that you've done with the youth panel? What have you done with them? Because I know you spoke at the BADs, the British Association yeah. Dermatologists Conference. So what, what work have you done? So with the actual youth panel, we helped to sort of create it. We, myself and Sylvia, sat and spoke to them, uh, EOS, about what sort of idea we wanted to have around the youth panel, what we wanted to do. So what we agreed was the target was to have 12 people be part of the youth panel. And I think in the end we got 10, which worked out a lot better. And as time went on, a few people dropped out. I think the total number is about seven. And we've got somebody else to be joining us soon, which was really good. It's really sort of worked out well. In terms of working with the youth panel, we have the BAD conference in Glasgow a couple of months ago, where we all went up on stage and we done a bit of a speech. And we also just got to go around and talk to other sort of dermatologists and learn about other creams and see other options that were available to us. Other things that we've done is we created a short animated video for young people to help them understand what eczema is. Uh, it was more aimed towards sort of up to the age of 10 sort of people. Sylvia was the sort of main uh, voice in that animation. I played a small part in it as well and there was lots of other people that got involved from the XY club and people as young as the, uh, I think it's called the High Five Club that EOS run for people aged 5 to 10 and every, everyone was able to get involved and sort of be part of it so it was it felt like it was our creation as well as something that we were able to publish and show to parents of young people with eczema that maybe didn't understand that and to actually show to young people with eczema as well to help them understand it. That's fantastic I mean to go from that one initial visit with the eczema outreach support and then to be nearly running the youth panel like it, it, that's that's amazing. That really is. And the other members. So, how did they get involved? Did you then, you know, try and help the EOS to find other people who might be suitable, or were these all people similar to yourself who were involved with the club? So, uh, there was two of us that were already connected to the charity that helped to sort of create it, and then from there, uh, they put out an advert which most of the other people uh, sort of saw. There was other people that uh, were just interested in helping out with a skin charity from their own experiences with eczema and simply googled it. There were people that saw the adverts from it and maybe in school and then there was other people that were involved with the charity that seen it uh, in other ways and they seen it through the charity and get connected through there and it's been brilliant because as I said I, I sort of played a part in creating it but in terms of what once it was up and running we, we all contribute our own part to it and it's more it's, it belongs to everyone so as, as it's progressed we've been able to shape it everyone involved has been able to shape it to how they want it just how, how old are you so when you get to a certain age do you then go into the adult <laughs> or have they said anything like that to you so you're part of the xy club up until you're 18 so yeah. i think that's 11 to 18 year olds and then from there you get invited to join the youth panel it's entirely your own choice whether you join it and then the youth panel runs up until you're 25. So I uh, I joined the youth panel when I was 18, which was a year, about a year and a half ago now, okay. when it sort of started. And then from there, we've, we've had more people join. One interesting thing that's happening at the moment is there's a couple of people that are part of the youth panel that are sort of getting towards that 25 age, where they're going to be looking at not being part of the youth panel anymore. But all of us are agreed we do want them to stay involved with the youth panel so it's, it's it's something for us to look at. I just got a question about kind of your journey through kind of the NHS and, and dermatology because obviously you would have experienced you know GPs, dermatologists throughout your time so people listening to this are dermatology nurses yeah. 
what kind of lessons would you like kind of them to learn from your journey if there are any lessons? So for like a dermatology nurse, with my experiences with dermatology nurses, they've all been very positive. Dermatology nurses have always been really helpful. They've helped me through it. They've, if, I've, if I've had burns from my UVB treatment, they've been able to help me work it out and how we're going to plan it from there. So during, during my treatment... I got burned twice. The first time what they done was I skipped an appointment and then just kept on going from there and it sort of gave my skin time to get used to the sort of amount of time that I was getting exposed to the UVB and it proved from there. And then the second time the burn was a lot worse. I missed my next two appointments and then we actually halved the time I was going to be going into the in for the treatment. I think at the time I was maybe in for about eight minutes and then they reduced it to four minutes to allow my skin to sort of get used to it again because I, I was quite badly burned and I was having to use quite a lot of moisturiser and the, the, the nurses were really good. They sort of helped me keep a positive mentality about it because it really, really was hard. Uh, I was in school at the time. It was difficult because I had, I had teachers uh, asking me if I'd sprinted to class because I was bright red. The teacher didn't mean it in a bad way in the slightest, but I didn't actually realise that morning that my face was so badly burnt until the teacher asked me that, which caught me off guard. So I found it difficult. I was really worried about my treatment. I was, it felt like the treatment wasn't working and having just had about almost a year worth of going back and forward to the GP and it not working to finally get referred to dermatology and it felt like that wasn't working either. I felt like I was running out of options to help improve my skin, but the dermatology nurses were really good. That's when they suggested that we have the amount of time that I was going in for treatment and it worked perfectly and as we gradually built back the sort of amount of time that I was going into the machine, uh, it, my, my skin continued to improve. Thank you very much. It was really positive to hear that kind of you felt that the dermatology nurses were, were quite supportive. But I think kind of the things that you're saying about like GPs and things like that, I think that difficulties mm. in that gap in particular going from, from GP to dermatologist is a very difficult uh, time with long waiting lists. Yeah, and definitely. And then um, what we, you, know, you alluded to there is just how important the communication is about your options going going forward and now with with eczema we're lucky enough that there's actually quite a lot of options but in the past there was you know there was only a certain amount of treatments available but now I'm sure you're aware you know yeah. there's biologics is everything um and there's a lot of research ongoing um which is which is great so making sure that you're very involved in um the treatment going forward and it's so important is there anything else you would like to add, bearing in mind that we're talking to dermatology nurses, perhaps lessons or anything else? Um, so going back to the sort of dermatology nurses helping me out, one thing that I felt was really good was the positive mindset that helped me set up. Um, one thing that I found with the GP was whenever I'd go in and be like, oh, your skin's not looking good today, um, which made, like I had a sort of feeling of, yes, I know. That's why I'm here. Um, whereas the dermatologists were always talking about improvement and they sort of helped me understand my eczema. And one, one really important thing was they got me involved with working towards improving it. So at the time, I was really sort of resistant to putting on my cream. The reasons being the creams weren't working and I was 15 years old and didn't want to do it. Whereas the dermatology nurses sort of, they gave me a cream called 50-50 and basically they said to me, this is the stronger cream. Once your skin starts to imp improve, we'll reduce you to 30-30. So that gave me something to work towards and I was much, much happier to do that. And it was all because the nurses helped me plan it out and said, you're going to start here. 
you're going to work your way to this point when your skin is improving. It made me want to improve my skin a lot more and it didn't make me feel like, oh, this is another cream that isn't going to work. I had the mentality of this cream is working and it's going to move me on to a lighter version of the cream because my skin is getting better. I think that's a really valuable lesson and I hope people hearing that will, will definitely change some practice out there because I think that's really important about making kind of goals and being clear with the patient, like what to expect and why we're doing things. So really thank you for sharing that. Anything else you'd like um, to add? One more thing. Yes. Through my own personal experiences of dealing with uh, my, my skin, one thing that I've found, I don't know if it's recommended to dermatologists, but one thing that I've found is wearing cotton clothes massively helps. Um, however, it doesn't help everyone. Uh, working with EOS, I discovered this because we were having a conversation about ways that we can help our skin and I suggested 100% cotton clothes. Uh, most of the clothes that I wear are made 100% of cotton, but I was then interrupted by another member of the youth panel who made the very good point of saying that doesn't apply to everyone. Through their experiences, they also tried wearing 100% cotton clothes and found that it made their own skin worse. So that links back to everybody's skin's different mm. and different things can help other people's skin. You know, all all treatment in a way needs to be individualised and I think that's where healthcare is hopefully going. <laughs> so you've definitely alluded this, to this already, but what do you think you've personally gotten out of working with this charity confidence to go and talk at conferences such as the bad conference in glasgow or this conference today being able to go and get involved with making short videos about myself or for uh, helping young people with eczema there's there's been a massive increase in confidence and it's affected other things in my life as well for example i'm involved with the scouts and it's uh, given me much more confidence to go and get more heavily involved with that uh, and that all came from working with EOS and EOS sort of helping me with my skin and then giving me the opportunity to go and do these things. It's also absolutely brilliant to go and talk to other young people. When I was in the XY club, uh, I was 17 at the time and there was a boy that was maybe 15 and his skin was really bad and he was really nervous and he didn't, we were out, we were out go-karting and he was really nervous about it and I just sat and spoke to him and it was brilliant to get to sit and talk to him because not only did I give him advice from my experiences with my skin but he, he also suggested to me to not have lactose which I now don't have. I drink lactose free, free milk which has also played a massive part in massively improving my skin. So it's given me the opportunity to go and talk to people and sort of back and forth things that we've felt have improved our own skin. And being able to help each other out. Lovely. Thank you very much for sharing that. Ashley? No, I just, I think that's so powerful. It's so wonderful that that's actually giving you all of that confidence. And it just feels like you're very empowered and passionate to help others. It's just fantastic to see. I think, yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered everything now. Unless there's anything else you wanted to mention before that's we... Me, thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> your game. Perfect. So we'll be going on now to speak to, to Sylvia, who, um, who you mentioned uh, was doing the videos with you. So... Thank you so much Thank for your time you. today. Cheers. Perfect. So now we have Sylvia Walsh-Sanchez on the podcast. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with EOS? Yeah. Um, so my name is Sylvia. Um, I'm 22 years old. I've had eczema since I was 10 months old. So my whole life, never really known anything but eczema. And I've had it very severely since I was about five, but it's been quite a kind of difficult journey to get any sort of proper treatment and also to get my condition taken seriously. So it's been a very difficult kind of 
journey with that. So I, again, have it very severely. I was told I had very mild eczema until I was 17, until I kind of saw a new dermatologist and they were like, no, this is incredibly severe. Your creams are not going to be doing anything for you. But until that point, I'd been to see another dermatologist um, when I was 14. And I had about two kind of appointments with this dermatologist. And um, one of my kind of worst points in my life, he discharged me. I had eczema flare-ups that basically were just continuous. They weren't, you know, short. They were months on end. Never knew a day without eczema. I was in constant pain. Like, the pain was so severe. Like, it was on... My body was basically on fire my whole life. And, um... Had gone to this appointment really needing some medical attention. I'd ended up in A&E. It was so bad, but they didn't know what to do with me. So went to this dermatologist. I was there with my dad, had told him what was going on. Uh, he only spoke to my dad. He didn't speak to me. And then he said, here's a new moisturiser. We're discharging you. And it was one of the lowest points in my life because I'd spent years trying to get treatment. And it wasn't happening. And that basically led to my parents deciding that they were going to take me abroad to try and get me some treatment. I am Spanish. So um, my mum took me to Spain to see a dermatologist in Spain. And um, it was the first time that I'd gotten any sort of proper treatment. It was in the form of, you know, prednisolone tablets. So it wasn't really a, it was a quick fix. It wasn't like a very long term thing. But I was very, very bad. But that's not kind of... It's not something that you can really do. You can't just go abroad all the time to try and get treatment. So I had to try the process again in in London. Went to the GP. GPs were rubbish, <laughs> unfortunately. They had no real kind of understanding of what eczema was or how badly it was affecting me. I remember going to an appointment and I was in really bad shape. And I said, I really need to see a dermatologist. I'm in so much pain. This woman turns around to me and goes, what do you mean you're in pain? Like, it's eczema. And it's she had no sense of understanding how debilitating this was. I did finally, after lots of kind of fighting, get referred to another dermatologist at the age of 17. And I spent a few months beforehand just thinking this is going to be awful. She's not going to care. She's not going to listen to my experience. I was in an incredibly low point in my life. I was struggling with depression, anxiety, really badly. I'd spent years basically fighting to come to some sort of normal and was basically coming to the conclusion that that was never going to be, like, I was never going to be able to achieve that. So I was slowly kind of wondering what the point of kind of fighting was anymore. But then I went to see this dermatologist and she asked me exactly what was going on. I showed her my eczema and she literally looked at me and said, you have very severe eczema. You need to try something other than creams. You can try phototherapy. And it was so validating for me. So validating that like someone was actually like taking me seriously and really understanding how badly I was being affected by this. And I cried, (laughs) which is quite... You know, but it was incredibly emotional, just as like a 17 year old who's spent so many years trying to get themselves taken seriously to finally have like a dermatologist saying, no, you you are right. Your situation is very wrong. Tried phototherapy for nine months and, you know, it had its ups and downs, but in the end, it wasn't really helping me. So I got switched to methotrexate. I was taking that orally for about two years. 
which was really helpful. It was, you know, making my flare-ups a lot less severe. But I was still getting the flare-ups, so about 18 months ago I switched to injections. And I have been eczema-free for a year, which is amazing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a very different situation to where I was about four or five years ago. And also the reason I got involved with EOS is through that dermatologist. She asked at one of my appointments whether I wanted to go to this event in London for this charity that was, um, you know, all about eczema and helping, you know, children, their families and adolescents with eczema, whether I'd be interested in going to basically talk about my experiences. And so I went and I kind of gave my little speech to like the teenagers there and then gave a little speech to the parents and it was really well received and they kind of asked me to do it again um over zoom because at that point covid had hit so um it was in my bedroom <laughs> but i slowly started getting more involved with eos got involved with um creating a, a secondary school resource for um students but also teachers to kind of get them to understand what eczema is and how it affects like their young people and what they can do to kind of support them because that's definitely something that I found very difficult was school just didn't get where I was coming from with my eczema so that was very important and yeah just over a year ago we formed the youth panel and I've been part of them ever since. Wow thank you for sharing that I'm so sorry first of all of your experience (laughs) it does sound like you had a really really rough time getting to where you are now but how amazing that that dermatologist had heard of EOS and put you down this path. Because I can see from you, you're, you're smiling. You seem really bright when you talk about the, the youth panel. And in terms of what you've gotten out of it, um, do you want to share a little bit about that, how that's kind of changed maybe your confidence levels? or? Yeah, so by the time I got involved, I was already 19. So I couldn't really... Um, be part of their kind of like xy club mm-hmm. i was i was too old for them i'm afraid but um it's just been um strangely it's been very therapeutic um just because because i have had such a difficult journey it almost feels like there's a point to it now mm-hmm. that you know i can i can share and i can tell people you know this is wrong this is not how it's meant to be you know um, we need to change things so um it's been very therapeutic i've being able to be involved with education stuff. So, you know, making this video for, for secondary schools so that, you know, people, students who have eczema aren't going to struggle as much with, you know, being able to go to their treatments, getting absences at school, you know, being late. Just the things that I really went through, hopefully that's not going to be everyone's experience. So it's been very therapeutic. It's also nice to kind of have this group around you that also has eczema we have these meetings like once a month and um you know we'll have like the agenda that's set for us by the charity and then at the end we have like half an hour 45 minutes where we just chat and complain about like our eczema and like how's your eczema today what are you on what treatments are you trying mine's really annoying me so it's just nice to have that kind of social group that's really understanding as well yeah, it sounds great to be able to, you know, establish that support network. So would you be able to share your experience of, you know, being online and trying to source correct resources, who to trust? How how do you go about that? If I'm completely honest, I don't trust the internet mm-hmm. when it comes to finding information about your eczema. There's so much stuff now that like 
on Instagram, on Facebook, just everywhere on social media, you yeah. get these people that are like, oh, I found the perfect cream for you. Like, um, use this or use that. It cleared my eczema. It's a magical cream. And it's just not true. I mean, a lot of these people, I'm sorry, they just don't have eczema. They have a very skewed perception of what eczema is. I think a lot of people use that word to describe, like, I've got a little rash, so I use this and I got rid of it. But that's not what eczema is. Eczema is a medical condition that needs proper treatment and medical attention. So I, I think the internet's quite bad when it comes to educating people on eczema. I prefer to get my information from dermatologists, from dermatology nurses, people that, you know, they have studied this and this is what they specialise in. They're going to know the facts. It's not some person on Instagram, some influencer on Instagram is not going to have the facts for you. That was lovely. Thank you. And then just to ask as well, what will kind of be, you know, one or two little take home messages that kind of nurses listening to this, you'd love to see them kind of take into their practice day to day? Yeah, I think one of the main things is that the little things, like we were saying earlier, that it's the little things that can have such a massive impact on your patient. And I mean that as in, like, your patients are going to be struggling with their eczema, their skin conditions. It is incredibly debilitating to live with, you know. And going to an, an appointment, what you want is to have your experience validated to be shown respect is so important, but unfortunately people just have bad experiences where they just aren't shown that decency. And, you know, little comments, like I went to a dermatology appointment not that long ago and I went to see a dermatology nurse and it was so clear she hadn't read my notes. And she turned around to me and asked me, how's your psoriasis? And I said, I don't have psoriasis. And she goes, oh, great, that's brilliant. And I was like, no, I, I have eczema. And she had to turn to her computer to like read that to like make sure I was telling the truth and it's just you know after you've been waiting for so long for an appointment you have all these things in your head that you need to ask that you want to ask and then something like that happens it becomes quite you just get a bit defeated <laughs> so it's about thinking you know about the little things about those comments like oh your eczema looks really bad today you know take care with like your patient's feelings because it's already a very difficult experience yeah lovely thank you so much I think that really summarized things and I'm hoping that people listening do take some things away from yeah. from your story I'm sure they will as in we've now heard from each of you officers such unique but powerful perspective on what your journeys have been and there are definitely lessons to be learned not just kind of locally but you know <laughs> nationally you know yeah, yeah, and I'd love to see a lot of changes come from this and, and I think the EOS is doing some fantastic <laughs> work and I think that genuinely like I said not just locally but with changing policy that's going to be key as well you know getting yeah. funding toward to dermatology so we can see patients in a timely manner and not just sit can I just ask one more question yeah, sorry just before we go I've got a question about transitioning from kind of 18 into an adult uh -huh. service how did you find that process it's almost like you've got to start again um, mm. because I'd been seeing this dermatologist since I was 17 and I think I saw her until I was about 
18 and a half, 19, and she was lovely. Um, she really changed a lot for me. I suddenly started getting, like, proper treatments. And then, you know, she was paediatrics and adolescence, and that's, you know, understandably at a certain age you've got to transition. But then I went to see a new dermatologist, and it's like you've got to build this relationship again and this trust with another person. And when you're already a bit distrustful of, like... Um, dermatology in general it becomes a bit difficult um so I did find it a bit difficult in that sense just the transition from like one dermatologist that you kind of you know and you trust to someone else that you don't know and you've got to kind of build that again yeah I think that was my main kind of difficulty great thank you and is there anything else you'd like to add Ashling? so yes so just one one final question um the psychological impact do you want to share your experience we tend to think about eczema as a very physical condition which it is but what we don't tend to think about is what sort of psychological impact is that going to be having on your patient um if you think of it this way i mean eczema is going to affect every single aspect of your life you know um it affects you know if you're at school it affects you know your education whether you can go into school it affects your you know um being able to be social you know if you've got bad flare-up you don't really have the energy to kind of be social um it affects your family a lot uh, you know your family relationships can become a bit strange sometimes and one of the other things is that a lot of people I myself as well have had this incredible sense of guilt around my condition that you know you're searching for answers for like what is causing my eczema and a lot of the time it's like well you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't be doing this you should apply more moisturizer you shouldn't um drink milk you shouldn't um you're allergic to this that or the other and it just starts to become like that's your it's your fault I didn't apply enough moisturizer so I've got a flare-up I I don't know I did I had something to eat that maybe I shouldn't have eaten so it's my fault um and so anyway, all, the, all these things are really going to kind of beat at you <laughs> and your mental health to the point where, you know, a lot of the time your mental health can become quite um, quite damaged, really. Um, I suffered a lot with depression. I suffered a lot with anxiety. And it was because I had this overwhelming kind of feeling of hopelessness that I wasn't getting the treatment I needed or I deserved and I was just going through all these struggles. You know, I couldn't go out to see my friends when I wanted to because I had bad flare-ups. My parents always had to take me to the hospital to go to th phototherapy twice a week, which is stressful for a family. Um, school didn't understand. So um, if I was absent from school because of my eczema or I was late, I was just penalised. I was told at school that I was never going to achieve anything because I was absent a lot and I just didn't I wasn't bothered I was lazy um so that's going that's going to really affect your mental health and I think that's an aspect of having a, a, a medical condition such as eczema that people kind of forget about and I think a lot more emphasis needs to be put on the fact that you know there are psychological symptoms to your eczema not just physical that was really harrowing thank you very much like I don't know how to describe it that was quite <laughs> a so I'd stumped for words, really, because you're so right. And it's even what you mentioned about phototherapy and the kind of guilt of having your parents yeah. drive you. There's, there's so many things that we don't really consider. So yeah. thank you very much for, for sharing that. Do you have anything to add, Ashling? No, I just I, I hope that there's now 
you know enough services out there for people to access i know we're very very lucky where we are to have you know an on-site dermatology psychologist that um i know there's a waiting list but is accessible <laughs> um did you refer to anyone did anyone give you any any support links to like speak to someone or did you find that by joining this youth panel and speaking to people your own age that helped um my journey with kind of my mental health aspect was that I had to get referred via a GP I had to be completely separated um you know the depression and anxiety was one problem and the eczema was another there was never this kind of joined yeah they never really kind of thought of the two as being quite intertwined my mental health was like you know 95% um, related to my eczema so if my eczema was bad my um, mental health was bad if my mental health was bad my eczema was bad so I went through counseling when I was about 17 18 for the depression and anxiety but what I did find was that they weren't really sure what to do because it was so related to my eczema it was like well you need to treat the eczema to help you with your mental health but um I do think that things are improving when it comes to mental health being kind of taken into account with people with eczema. My dermatology clinic has just recently gotten a psychologist as well. So I think that's a huge kind of step forward. And I think slowly but surely it is becoming more kind of recognised. Well, thank you so much for (laughs) sharing with us today. Um, I think we are probably going to end it there. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank seriously. You so thank much. You. I think this is really valuable for for all for all of us to just, you know, sometimes you need to remind yourself of where people have come before they've seen you. You so know, important. So thank you very much. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the BDNG podcast. We are joined today by Joanne Harwood from the Eczema Outreach Support You Panel, and she has kindly um, joined us after the. BDNG has finished to also tell us a little bit about her experience. So welcome to the podcast, Joanne. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your kind of eczema journey and how you got involved with the eczema outreach support? Yeah, so I, I've had eczema all my life, um, kind of on and off throughout. I wouldn't say it's been consistent. It, it's peaked kind of key moments in my life to, to really, really flourish I would say especially around my GCSEs uh, I joined Eczema Outreach Support oh blimey uh, in 2020 during the pandemic and I was just a general volunteer until April 2021 when we set up the youth panel and I was then part of kind of its creation and making little subgroups and stuff so yeah quite exciting so uh, you've got some nurses obviously listening to this podcast uh, it being the bdng do you want to tell us a little bit about if you're happy to your your experiences with with dermatology with nurses with with dermatology in the nhs and how's that been for you so as far as i can remember i've never been specifically referred to a dermatologist i've gone to the gp every now and again had to get steroids etc but during my GCSEs, my skin really flared up. It got to a point where I didn't really have any skin left on my face. It was just kind of like a collection of open bits of skin. Um, and then that extended down to my arms and my arm got infected. And it got to a point where we, we couldn't make a GP appointment soon enough. Neither could the GP find out what it was in a soon enough time. So I ended up having to go private. 
um, prescribed, I think it was just steroids, and I just kind of coated myself, and I, I gradually healed, and then I was offered, again, this was private, um, because I would have had to wait a year on the NHS an allergy test, which started off as a prick test on my arms, and then I had a patch test on my back, and that was when we kind of, from the outcome of them, and in discussion with the dermatology nurse and allergist that we worked out that I was kind of intolerant or allergic to basically all fruit apart from bananas, dairy, milk. I've later found out that I can't have honey, sweet potato and barley. Barley is a fun one. So if I touch that, I get a little like, you can see where I've touched it on my hand. Um, so that, that's, that's quite exciting when that happens. And I guess I've realised after gradually cutting them out of my diet that that actually had a lot to do with my eczema and although I, I like obviously my digestion system feels a lot better for not eating all those things the main thing is I haven't had a proper flare-up in quite a long time and I think that's just because I didn't realize how much it, I was kind of up in the background until someone said mm. oh have you tried not eating that or have you tried not doing this and I realised that my perception of normal was quite different to the average person. I think, like, we've said this a lot on the youth panel, but being able to feel your clothes, we at some point in our lives, we've all just felt that was normal. And then suddenly not feeling your clothes is quite nice. <laughs> and not, not considering what you're going to wear because of certain necklines or sleeves and just wearing what you feel like wearing on that day again. I think that's quite a key thing that we've all kind of said between us that, oh, yeah, that, that really does have an impact and we didn't really think about it. I think you've made some really interesting points there. And also, you know, talking to the other expert outreach support, a common thing that we've heard, thinking back, so obviously it's been a week or two since we did <laughs> conference, but is that it's... It, it's surprising to me as an NHS nurse to hear how often you're having to go to private dermatologists just because you're struggling obviously so much with your skin and there's just no no access which is really quite uh, disappointing to hear. Uh, if I can ask you a question specifically about your work with the eczema outreach support so you mentioned there's subgroups and things do you want to tell us a little bit about those groups? Yeah, so I'm on the social media subgroup. I think we also had, oh, I can't remember what it's called. We had another subgroup that wrote a very long essay about various things to do with what should be improved. It was lovely, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, and then we have another one um, that kind of works in conjunction with the XY Club at EOS, which is from 11 to 17. So they're more younger members of the youth panel that are kind of like 18 to 20, who are trying to involve and kind of help the transition of younger people through adolescence with X-Men school. So on the social media youth panel that I'm on, we've done a range of things on the EOS uh, Instagram in particular, we've done kind of like days in their life. So where we've taken pictures or filmed ourselves on little things that we've done throughout the day and how we've either adapted that or what kind of precautions we've taken in relation to our skin. So I think on one of mine, I went ice skating and I was discussing like the best sock combination, not to get heat rash, et cetera, on your feet. Um, and someone else did one where they went wild swimming and they were saying how that was really good. The cold water was really good for their skin. 
uh, and like discussing what foods they ate and what they felt was better. So just kind of bringing eczema into the everyday and kind of showing how, although it might not look like it's impacting, there's a lot of little things that you do without thinking that actually have quite a big impact when put together. Yeah, no, that that's actually, that sounds great. So the with the um you know creating those those little videos and snippets for it's for the general public is it and do many people come back and you know ask you questions or engage and how how do you how do you find that yeah so that it's for the general public and it's put on the eos instagram stories and then it's saved as highlights so people can go back and watch them whenever and we've had we from our social media manager we get sent to all the comments that have been had all the conversations that have stemmed from it and I think it starts a conversation for them people to, one, interact with the charity if they've never heard of it before and maybe start getting um, like support that way or just discussing something that's maybe quite familiar to them that they didn't realise lots of other people do. And I think in particular, on one of my stories, I'd said about eating out and how I kind of negotiate menus with various things I can and can't eat. And there was a mother of a son, I think they were three, And they'd said that it had given them so much hope that like one day their son could go out and independently eat with all of his allergies and not have to worry about it. And do you know of any apps perhaps that can help people with allergies eat out at restaurants or are there any resources that you're aware of? So I know for myself, I've used Spookin before. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, I think it originates as an American app and they verify either foods that you can buy in the supermarket or restaurants that are and are particularly allergy friendly um, or say if there's a spe- specific takeaway that doesn't serve nuts it'll be like spooking registered as nut free um, so that's quite handy or I I in general on my Instagram follow a lot of other people who also have allergies and there's kind of a general community building that discuss where they like to go to eat or where they feel best I think in general, there's a consensus that Pizza Express are pretty good. You can normally eat something at Pizza Express. Um, I think another one is Nando's. Nando's are quite good. Um, obviously, a bit of a concern because you can't pre-book, so it's a bit riskier. But um, yeah, and I've also been before to the uh, Free From and Vegan Food Show. I think that's what it's called. And that was quite interesting because you can go and meet different brands and realise there's probably a lot more that you can eat than you didn't know before. Um, And obviously a large amount of free samples, which we love. If I could just ask you a question, because you've mentioned earlier just about how uh, you've you've met nurses along your way, uh, kind of, yes, they work there in the private sector. But is there any kind of feedback you could give us about what information you found useful or was it you know, you found having time with them useful or what do you think could have been done better perhaps by the dermatology nurses you met? I think uh, a main thing, a conversation is so much better than a printout. I don't know what part of the NHS decided that having a printout was a good idea. I, I can understand the methodology behind it, that you might be a bit overcome when you're there. You have this to take home and you can read through it. it makes perfect sense. But when the printer doesn't work properly and you just get like random dots, that is not helpful. Um, so I think this is a general consensus on the EMS Youth Panel that it's probably better to maybe spend a few more minutes having a conversation than trying to get the printer to work so that you can have a printout. Um, because I know there's been a couple of us who have just kind of left being like, I have no clue what's just happened. I don't know what I was told. 
And now I have a piece of paper with dots on, which is really going to help me when I get home. Um, well, I think, so that's one thing. And then maybe another thing is just, obviously with, with COVID, there's been a rise in phone call appointments, which are wonderful. You can have them anywhere. You don't have to like make the effort to go somewhere. But for a few of us, we've had quite potent stuff prescribed over the phone and maybe not been 100% sure how to use it, which is a little bit dodgy. And it just makes you generally feel a bit unsure about them. Like, am I doing the right thing? Is it getting worse because the way I'm using it? Is it getting worse just because it's just getting worse? It's not getting better. This isn't helping it. Um, so it's just kind of, they're, they're good, but they're not the be all and end all, I guess. I think whether intentionally or unintentionally, you're, you're actually hitting on some really hot topics in dermatology <laughs> at the moment. Uh, you know, teledermatology is what, is what we're, we're calling it. And there is a lot of pressure to, to incorporate a lot more teledermatology into our clinics, but it is still quite controversial. And the challenge that faces many dermat- well, all dermatology departments is how we can identify the right patients at the right time to use it. Uh, me being, I don't know, maybe a, a typical nurse is I love my face to face. I love meeting people and chatting with them because, you know, you get to know them so much better. And then there's the whole aspect that you've touched on as well as, you know, prescribing things when you're not seeing them. Uh, you know, it does open us up to to a lot of risk so uh ashling do you have any more questions yeah no first of all i just want to completely agree with you and i was reflecting when you were talking about the printer being like that was probably me that's i'm not gonna lie that's definitely happened on a few occasions you're like oh we'll be back and then 10 minutes later you're still not back with the printer but bringing you back to the um EOS and the, the youth support group. What have you really taken away from it? From speaking to um to your colleagues, it sounds like a really, you know, supportive community. Is is there anything you would like to to share and how much, you know, it's impacted on your life and what you've taken away from it? I think uh, first and foremost, it's someone to have a ramp to. Uh, I know I know just this afternoon, I think Lucy, who's also done done a podcast, has been ranting at me and she has had she's had a Zoom appointment and having to work out how to get her scalp on the webcam was quite fun over text. Um, uh, so yeah, someone to have a rant to and then I guess just also someone to float ideas off about, oh, I ha- have you tried X, Y, Z? What what did you think type of thing? And making you aware of treatments that you probably didn't realise were there. And then just a, a vessel for kind of getting the word out there. Had this not been a thing, we wouldn't have been at the BAD conference. We wouldn't be allowed to rant to so many people <laughs> about our issues. And equally, um, we wouldn't have been able to do that in Harrogate. So I think it's just been been something that we all wanted to kind of get the word out there. And we can then communally rant to each other and rant to other people who care about it. <laughs> so, yeah. But I don't just to say I don't think you're ranting at all. I think you were what I like to call it centralizing the patient voice. I think there's so much that you're you're teaching us by telling us about your experience, and I, I do genuinely think that it's leading to positive change. So all I can say is thank you so much for sharing your your story. What would be your take home messages uh, from this conversation? Maybe I think my my big thing is although someone might look like their skin is wonderful and they're coping. They could be doing a lot of things that mean they're really not. And although they look normal, their normal could be something completely different to an average person's normal. 
Um, so I guess it's putting in like seeing the full picture and putting that into account. It's like if I turned up to an appointment like this, yeah, there's nothing on my face, but you have no clue what's coming up on my legs type of thing. Um, so going through that, I guess. Um, yeah, just the perception of normal. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Uh, like I said, I really do think that it's making waves, it's getting out to the right people. And I really hope that there can be some positive changes for, for generations to come. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.